The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. There was once a dream, you could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm gonna have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! This is your Neverland story time. You can listen along with your MP3 device. You will know it is time to listen when you hear the chime like this. Let's begin now. This is the story of the gift of the Mogwai. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. It was Christmas time, and Rand Pelzer needed a gift. Uptown, busy shoppers rushed here and there buying ties and toys and other typical presents. But Mr. Pelzer decided he wanted to do his shopping in Chinatown. I should be able to find a great gift for Billy around here. Something special, something unusual. As he wandered the bustling, exotic streets, Rand spotted a colorful souvenir shop, and he strolled inside from the cold night air. Rand stepped up to the lady at the counter. I'm looking for something interesting to give my son. Uh-huh. The saleswoman nodded and began showing Rand everything from transistor radios to painted fans. Rand shook his head. No, you, you see, I want something different, something unique, something he can't get at home. Just then, a small hand reached up and tugged Rand's sleeve. Hey, mister, you want something different? I know a place full of different things. Rand glanced down to see a skinny oriental boy wearing an old t-shirt and a faded baseball cap. Sorry, kid, I'm not looking for baseball cards. The boy reached into his pocket. Does this look like a baseball card? He pulled out an ugly shrunken head. Rand jumped back. Is that real? Everything's real at Grandfather's shop. It's not like any other shop in Chinatown. Follow me. Rand hesitated a moment and then walked out into the chilly night. This, I gotta see. The boy led Rand through a maze of smoky, narrow alleyways and down wet cobblestone streets to a curio shop on a dead-end street. A gust of wind whistled down the alley as Rand stepped under a creaking wooden sign and through the dirty, flimsy door. The store looked like a wizard's workshop It was crowded with musty books and dusty bottles and jars. Behind the counter stood a very old Chinese man smoking a pipe. 
The boy introduced him. This is my grandfather. Go on, mister. Look around. See if there's something you like. Rand bought a candy bar and began to inspect the bizarre items. The boy joined his grandfather in a game of chess. What are you doing in this part of town, mister? Oh, business. I make things. I come up with ideas for new gizmos. You know, inventions. The boy nudged his grandfather. Thomas Edison. <laughs> the old man broke into a smile. Thomas Edison. <laughs> and grinned in embarrassment. <laughs> then a strange high-pitched giggle joined the laughter. Rand froze. What was that? But the boy and his grandfather just went back to their game. The giggle rang out again. Rand followed the sound to a back corner of the shop. Hidden on a shelf, under a burlap cloth, he found a small cage. Rand set his candy bar down and reached out to lift the covering. Suddenly, a little furry hand came out of the cage and grabbed his candy bar. Rand peered inside and saw a tiny, cuddly animal. What is this? I've never seen anything like it. The Chinese boy answered, Mogwai. What's he doing? Seeing. He only does that for people he likes. Rand was enchanted. How much do you want for it? The old man shook his head. Mogwai, not for sale. Oh, come on. My son Billy would love it. Here, 100 bucks, cash. The old man didn't flinch. Okay, 150. The shop owner shook his head again. Here, you can have every penny I've got on me, $260. The boy's eyes lit up, but his grandfather was firm, firm. Grandfather comes much responsibility. I cannot sell him at any price. Then the old man turned and walked into the back room. Rand left the shop and headed back, disappointed. But the owner's grandson ran up to him in the alley, carrying a wooden box. Forget what my grandfather said. We need the money. Here, you can have the mogwai. But there are some rules you gotta follow. First, keep him away from light. He hates bright light, especially sunlight. It'll kill him. Next, don't get him wet. Keep him away from water. Rand grinned. I guess a day at the beach is out of the question. <laughs> I'm serious, mister. But the most important thing, the thing you can never forget, no matter how much he cries and begs, never, never feed him after midnight. You got it? Got it. I promise. No bright light, no water, and uh, no food after midnight. Don't forget, mister. The boy ran back inside with Rand's money, leaving Rand very pleased with his successful search. Meanwhile, in the small town of Kingston Falls, Billy Peltzer was returning home from his day of work. He greeted his mother in the kitchen. What a rotten day at the bank, Mom. Well, never mind that now, Billy. Your father will be home from his trip any minute. Sure enough, before long, the front door flew open. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! Rand handed Billy the present. I want you to open it now. This can't wait until Christmas morning. Billy tore off the wrappings and lifted the lid. 
A tiny ball of fur peeked out of the box with large, friendly eyes. <laughs> Billy grinned with delight. What is it, Dad? The owners call it a mogwai. You can train him to do anything, and he's really clever. He figured out how to work most of my gizmos all by himself. Well, since he likes gizmos so much, let's call him Gizmo. Billy's mom watched Gizmo crawl out of the box, climb onto Billy's shoulder, and lick his cheek. <laughs> <laughs> this is so cute. I've got to get a picture. Okay, smile. The bulb flashed, and Gizmo screamed in fright. Billy cuddled the trembling Mogwai. Dad, what happened? The little fella's scared. He hates bright lights. See, there are certain things you have to remember about this guy, Billy. Besides bright light, keep him away from water and never feed him after midnight. Never. Billy cradled Gizmo in his arms. Come on upstairs, little fella. I'll show you my room. He took him into the attic and set him on his desktop. Whoops, let me dim the lights for you. There. Is that better? Gizmo smiled and sang a single clear note. Billy turned on his portable keyboard and played the same note. Gizmo's large ears perked up, and then he sang five notes. Billy struggled with the keys. I'm not quite getting it right, Giz. Billy watched the little mogwai lean over the keyboard and play the five correct notes. <laughs> Thanks, Gizmo. He placed a big red Santa hat on the mogwai's tiny head. There. Can you say, ho, ho, ho? <laughs> Gizmo couldn't figure why Billy was laughing. Billy saw Gizmo's puzzled look. I'm laughing because you look so cute in your hat, Gizmo. Want to see? Billy held up a mirror. The furry mugwai took one look at his reflection, screeched, and toppled over backwards. Hey, Gizmo, you okay, little guy? You fell into the waste paper basket. Don't worry, I'll fix you up. He took Gizmo into the bathroom and gently tended the Mogwai's bruised head. Oh, don't frown, Gizmo. He'll be okay. Billy took Gizmo back to his room, propped him up in bed, and tucked him in. Doesn't that feel good? Here you go. Here's one of my 3D comic books to look at. Gizmo held up the red and green glasses and peered at the comics happily, while Billy began drawing at his desk. Billy unwrapped a chocolate candy. Then he checked the clock. Only 9.30. It's safe to feed you. Here, Gizmo. Billy's dog, Barney, watched the little mogwai chew happily on the candy. He wandered over to the bed, sniffed at Gizmo, and then gave him a friendly lick. Billy looked up from his work. See? I knew you guys would be friends. When he finished the drawing, Billy signed his name. He pointed out the name to Gizmo and pointed to himself. Billy, that's me, Billy. Gizmo tried to imitate him. Billy grinned. That's good, Gizmo. Billy crawled into bed. I'm really glad you like it here. Good night, Giz. Gizmo cooed and shut his eyes. The two friends fell fast asleep.
That was the end of Book One of Gremlins. Now remember these important rules about the Mogwai. Never put them in sunlight. Never get them wet. And never, never feed them after midnight. To find out what happens when you break these rules, be sure to listen to Book Two, Gizmo and the Gremlins. This is the story of Gizmo and the Gremlins. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. Rand Pelser had looked all over Chinatown for an unusual Christmas gift for his son Billy. So when he had entered a musty backstreet shop and seen the exotic furry mogwai creature, he knew he had found it. Billy, of course, loved the cute little animal and named it Gizmo. Rand told Billy three important rules he had learned in Chinatown about caring for the mogwai: no bright lights, especially sunlight, no water, and no food after midnight. Otherwise, bad things would happen. A few days before Christmas, Billy's young friend Pete came over to visit. Hey, Billy! I heard you got a new pet. Can I see it? Billy gently placed the tiny mogwai on his drawing desk. Pete's eyes widened. Wow! Where'd you get it? My dad got him for me. His name's Gizmo. Pete watched in fascination as the mogwai picked up a sketching pencil. <laughs> Look, Billy! To him, the pencil's as big as a post. Can I pet him? Asked Pete. But as he reached out, he accidentally knocked over a glassful of paintbrushes. <gasps> Oops! Gizmo suddenly let out a screech as some drops of water splashed on him. Billy watched fearfully as Gizmo arched in pain. Oh no! He's not supposed to get wet. Gizmo, are you all right? As Billy stared helplessly, something strange happened to the tiny mogwai. The spots where the five water drops had hit Gizmo slowly began to grow. Then, as if by magic, the spots became five tiny balls of fur and popped off Gizmo's back. Billy's mouth fell open as the furry balls grew and grew. Each one then uncurled to reveal a brand new mogwai. Pete. Watch the five new creatures stand up and stretch their new arms and legs. Wow, this is bigger than a comic book. That must be how they multiply, Pete. No wonder you're not supposed to get them wet. Billy examined Gizmo. Look, he's fine. The spots have completely disappeared. It's as if they were never there. The new Mogwai grinned at each other, but Gizmo shied away from them all. Billy scratched his head. Hmm, look at that. Gizmo acts like they're different from him, but they all look about the same, same size and everything, all except for this little guy with a stripe of white hair on his head. I guess we ought to call you Stripe, huh? What do you think of that? The five Mogwai giggled, but Gizmo sat quietly by himself. Billy took the new Mogwai downstairs and set them on the coffee table while he looked for his father. Dad, we uh. Got Gizmo wet. I think you'd better look at what happened. 
Rand walked into the living room to find the new Mogwai humming, giggling, and shoving each other happily. Stripe was playing a portable video game, and another was eating grapes out of a bowl. Rand shook his head. Oh, brother. I think it's time we had these guys checked out. In the meantime, you better keep them up in your room. Don't let them near the shower or the sink. Or we'll be up to our armpits and singing fuzzballs. Without anyone seeing him, one of the Mogwai spit a grape seed at Barney, the family dog. Barney jumped up and barked at the mischievous creature. Then he spun around and grabbed the dog. Hey, easy, Barney. Rand glanced at the innocent-looking Mogwai. Now, Barney's just jealous of your new pets. It might be a good idea if he sleeps downstairs for a while. Gizmo stood in the doorway and frowned. He knew it wasn't Barney's fault. The next morning, Billy took a Mogwai to his old friend, Mr. Hanson, the high school science teacher. Billy told him about the three important rules and how the new Mogwai had been created. Mr. Hanson examined the tiny creature carefully. This is amazing, Billy. I've never seen anything like it. I'm afraid all I can tell you is that water has to be above freezing for them to multiply. They also seem to get upset if they're separated from each other. But frankly, I've no idea what would happen if you fed them after midnight. That night, as the household slept, Stripe awoke and nudged his four fellow Mogwai. Sharing grins, they sneaked past Billy and Gizmo and headed downstairs. A minute later, Barney was rudely awakened with a tiny punch. It was Stripe. The angry dog chased his furry assailant out the front door and onto the snowy front porch. Suddenly, Barney was surrounded by Mogwai. They pounced on him, threw him off the porch, and ran back up to bed, leaving Barney locked outside. When Billy finally awoke and rescued Barney, he noticed the five Mogwai sleeping like little angels. Something funny is going on around here. Late the next night, while Billy was working on a drawing, Stripe and his gang began to whine. Hey, what's with you guys? You've already had dinner. But the creatures begged even louder for food. Billy checked the clock. Well, it's still a half hour before midnight. I guess it's okay to give you a snack. Billy brought the hungry Mogwai a plate of leftover chicken. Here you go, guys. Bon appetit. All the Mogwai began to devour the chicken with a passion. All, that is, except Gizmo. Billy nudged the little fellow. Go on, Giz, get something to eat. But Gizmo frantically shook his head and whined. Something was wrong, and he didn't know how to tell Billy. Billy just shrugged. Not hungry, huh? Well, it's time for bed anyway. See all you guys in the morning. But Gizmo was too scared to fall asleep. He knew it was after midnight. He had seen Stripe unplug Billy's clock. The next morning, Billy awoke to find the five new Mogwai gone. In their place were five large, sticky green pods. Billy kneeled and examined the strange football-shaped shells 
Wow, these look like big cocoons or something. What's going on here? Gizmo, you know, don't you? Gizmo just stared at the pods in terror, his tiny eyes filled with fear. Billy quickly dressed for work. I've got to go now, Giz. Keep an eye on these things for me until I get back. See you later. The shadows grew long in the attic as evening approached. Gizmo still watched the silent pods in horror. Then, one of them quivered. Its surface began to bubble and crack. The same thing happened to a second pod, and then a third. The pods were hatching. Gizmo shuddered as green smoke hissed out of the widening cracks. Then, with a final burst, the pods opened and out crawled five horrible creatures. Gremlins. Gizmo backed away as clawed, scaly hands began to reach for him. That evening, when Billy got home from work, he found the house was a mess. The Christmas tree was knocked over, and the kitchen was a shambles. Billy had an awful thought. Oh no! Could this be the pods? He raced up to the attic, his heart pounding. There, he found the same story. His room was devastated. The door was off its hinges. Furniture was smashed, and papers were everywhere. Even his girlfriend's picture lay broken on the floor. Then he noticed the torn, empty pods. They've hatched, and whatever was inside these things is big and stride these things and cuddly like Gizmo anymore. Gizmo? I forgot all about him. Billy searched the room frantically. Gizmo! Gizmo, where are you? There was no answer. Billy looked at the vicious destruction of his room, and he thought about his helpless little pet. He slumped into a chair, shaking his head. Oh no! How could they? Not Gizmo. Suddenly, there was a tiny squeak from the clothes chute. Billy rushed across the room, dug through a pile of shirts, and lifted a furry bundle. Gizmo, you're alive! <laughs> the tiny mogwai hugged Billy warmly. I'm really glad you're safe, Gizmo. But as long as these terrible creatures are on the loose, no one is safe. It's up to us to find them, Gizmo. That was the end of book two of Gremlins. What do the new monsters look like, and what will happen when Billy and Gizmo catch up with them? Find out in book three. Escape from the Gremlins. This is the story of Escape from the Gremlins. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. Billy Peltzer had received a gift from his father, a friendly mogwai creature named Gizmo. A mogwai is cute, furry, and little, but the responsibility of owning one is big. Billy had broken one of the Mogwai rules when he spilled water on Gizmo, which created five new Mogwai. These new creatures, led by Stripe, were sneaky and mischievous. 
they tricked Billy into breaking another rule, feeding them after midnight. The five mogwai had covered themselves in large, sticky cocoons, and when they broke out a day later, they had changed. The new creatures were no longer warm and cuddly. They were mean and destructive, as Billy found out when he came home from work. The Christmas tree was smashed, the kitchen a mess, and his room a disaster. Worst of all, they had beaten up Gizmo. Billy found his tiny pet trembling in the corner, and he gently placed him into his nylon backpack. Come on, Gizmo. We've got to go after those monsters. You ride shotgun. Billy grabbed a flashlight, and they headed out into the cold winter night. In moments, Billy found a set of tracks in the snow. Hmm. These footprints go straight toward the local gymnasium. And look, Gizmo, the front window's broken. They must be inside. Billy cautiously entered the silent building. Boy, I can't see a thing in here, Giz. Let's find the light switch. His footsteps echoed ominously as he stalked across the empty gymnasium. I know they're in here somewhere, Gizmo. Something shot out at him. What's that? Oh, it's only a basketball. A jeering, high-pitched laugh filled the building. Billy gripped his flashlight. The creature is toying with me, Gizmo. He could have attacked, but he didn't. The nasty laughter suddenly stopped. It was deathly quiet. I think I see the light control box, Gizmo. Now we'll fix him. Billy approached the electrical cabinet and opened it. Ah! Crouching inside the box was Stripe. Only now, he was no longer a furry little mogwai. He was bigger and vicious looking. He still had his white stripe, but his fur had been replaced with hard, scaly armor. Instead of paws, he displayed sharp three-fingered claws and a huge mouth filled with pointed, gleaming teeth wrapped around his face in a wicked grin. Stripe had become a gremlin. Stripe leaped straight at Billy, knocking him down and tumbling Gizmo out of the backpack. With one mighty swipe of his muscular arm, the gremlin shredded Billy's sweater. Stripe stood over Billy as if to attack again. But he didn't. Instead, he just smiled wickedly, cackled one last hideous laugh, and leaped off in the opposite direction. Suddenly, Billy realized where Stripe was headed. No! Don't jump in the swimming pool! Stop! It was too late. The gremlin had splashed into the water. Billy sprang to his feet. This is awful, Gizmo. The water will react with striped skin and it'll multiply. Soon there'll be thousands of gremlins. Already the water was bubbling with the creation of new creatures. Soon the pool churned and boiled as countless gremlins multiplied faster and faster. Billy picked up Gizmo and raced to the door. We've got to get help, Giz. We won't be able to stop them alone. As Billy stumbled outside, he heard Stripe's familiar gremlin laugh. Only now, it was multiplied by the hundreds. Billy ran all the way to the police station. Quick, the town's in danger. The gym is full of these... Uh, these gremlins. Oh, yeah? Like this one here? A policeman grinned at harmless little Gizmo. He sure looks mighty ferocious to me. No, this is a mogwai. He's friendly. Gremlins are nasty. 
Billy, go home. We've got no time for pranks. The officer waved Billy aside as he answered his phone. He listened briefly and then turned to his partner. Freak accident. Seems an animal yanked down all of Mrs. Nager's outdoor Christmas lights. Billy interrupted. That was no accident. It was the gremlins. Billy was right. The town was being overrun by gremlins. The police switchboard lit up as more and more people called in. This is Mrs. Eagle. I demand you do something about these creatures outside my house. They're scaring my cats and making me upset. The phone rang again. Something's inside the mailbox on the corner. It's throwing out all the letters. Hurry, please. There's a thing swinging on my television antenna. And it's messing up my favorite show. You guys better get down here to Main Street. Somebody's playing with the traffic light, and it's green in all directions. There have been two accidents already. The gremlins were running wild all over Kingston Falls. They broke windows, knocked over garbage cans, and destroyed parked cars. They even chased passers-by, stealing articles of clothing and then strutting around proudly with their new coats, hats, and scarves. Gremlins broke into the local radio station and smashed all the records. Then they started singing into the announcer's microphone. Soon, radios were playing their creepy songs all over town. Not far away, Mr. Futterman was relaxing at home when he heard his snowplow start up outside. What's going on? Martha, look! My plow is driving by itself! Wait! It's coming this way! Run! The plow crashed right through the Futterman's living room. Thanks to you-know-who. The gremlins didn't like people. They didn't like the town. In fact, the only thing they did like was making trouble. Down the block, gremlins were knocking over snowmen, breaking windows and yanking up shrubs. Billy's friend Pete watched them carry stuff out of a garage and scatter it in the street. Then they climbed onto Pete's roof. Pete leaned out his upstairs window, aimed his slingshot, and fired. A gremlin toppled over backwards. I got him! Pete aimed again. I'll teach you to pull down our decorations. Got another one! This one zinged off the roof, fell into a trash can, and rolled down the street. Pete loaded again. Wow, this is more fun than an arcade! Downtown, at Dory's Pub, dozens of gremlins had taken over the room, driving out all the customers. The only person left was Kate, Billy's girlfriend. The gremlins had trapped her inside so she could serve them. They screeched at her for food and drink and threw things at her when she didn't move fast enough. Kate ducked a handful of peanuts. Hold on, I'm working as fast as I can. Ow! What do you want? Stop it! I can't do everything at once. The pub was swarming with noisy, bad-tempered gremlins. Some pulled down pictures and knocked over glasses. Others played cards and pinball. Two arm wrestled in a corner, while several more tried to play pool. They ripped up the felt, cracked pool cues over each other's heads, and threw the billiard balls into the jukebox. One gremlin even swung from an overhead fan. Another demanded that Kate light his cigar. She struck a match and saw the gremlin wince. 
the light must hurt their eyes. That gives me an idea. Kate searched behind the counter. Ah, here's Dory's camera. She pointed the lens at the closest gremlins. Smile, turkeys! The flash bar blazed, and the gremlins howled in pain. They backed away from Kate as she aimed again. Let me through! Move over, you! Take that! Time and again, she blinded the creatures as she headed for the front door. There was only one gremlin left in her way. Back off, Buster! She clicked the camera. Nothing happened. Oh, no! I've used up all the flashes! The angry gremlins quickly surrounded Kate. Now, they would never let her escape. Then, bright light flooded into the pub. The gremlins screamed and covered their eyes. Kate looked outside to see headlights from a parked car shining straight into the pub. A figure climbed out of the driver's seat. Kate, it's me, Billy. Come on! Kate ran outside and jumped into Billy's car. Careful, Kate, you almost sat on Gizmo. Billy turned the key, but the car wouldn't start. What a time for it to act up. Come on, let's make a run for it. The headlights should keep them trapped for a while. Billy grabbed Kate's hand, and they raced down the snowy street. Let's duck into the bank. We'll be safe in there. Kate followed Billy into the deserted building and caught her breath. Oh, Billy, I've never been so scared in my life. Thanks for saving me. She hugged him fondly. What's going on, Billy? What are those creatures? It's a long story, Kate. But the most important thing is we beat them. Gizmo shook his tiny head. <laughs> Well, little guy, at least we beat them for now. That was the end of book three of Gremlins. Billy, Kate, and Gizmo are safe for now. But Billy's headlights won't hold the Gremlins forever. Find out what happens next in book four, Gremlins Trapped. This is the story of Gremlins Trapped. You can read along with me in your book, you will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. When Billy Peltzer received a cuddly pet mogwai named Gizmo for a gift, it had seemed like a dream. But through a series of mishaps, the dream had soon transformed itself into a nightmare. Hundreds of evil gremlins had been created and under the leadership of Stripe, they had swarmed through Kingston Falls, causing mischief, breaking things, and in short, tearing the town apart. The wicked creatures had even managed to hold Billy's girlfriend, Kate, captive in the local tavern. They had trapped her so she could get them food and drink. Then they screeched and threw things at her when she didn't move fast enough. But Billy had parked his car outside the tavern and flooded the place with glare from his headlights. The gremlins' sensitive eyes couldn't take it, and they fell back, letting Kate and Billy escape. The two friends headed down Main Street looking for a place to hide. All around them were examples of the gremlins' destruction. Broken windows, scattered Christmas decorations, even an overturned car. Billy shook his head. This is awful. Let's find a building and get out of the open. They crunched across the snowy street looking for an empty store to hide in. 
They entered the bank where both of them worked. Kate gasped. Look at it, Billy. It's a wreck. Desks overturned, papers everywhere. What's going on, Billy? Who are those creatures? They're gremlins, Kate. Nasty, rotten gremlins. But where did they come from? Billy pointed to Gizmo in his backpack. From this cute little guy. Can you believe it? I accidentally got him wet, and the next thing I knew, there were five more of him. Then those five tricked me into feeding them after midnight. That's when they turned into gremlins. Then their leader, Stripe, jumped in his swimming pool and bang, we've got a town full of them. Then we've got to do something, Billy. We've got to get rid of them. Well, I'm not quite sure how, but we'll think of a way. Come on. Kate and Billy cautiously stepped outside. There were no gremlins to be seen. The two headed back down the street warily looking for signs of the evil creatures. Billy, the town was packed with gremlins a while ago. Now we can't find a single one. Where did they go? I don't know, Kate. Gizmo popped out of the backpack and sniffed the wind. Then he squeaked and pointed toward the local movie theater. Billy's eyes lit up. Of course. They're all in there. It's almost morning and the daylight can kill them. Kate nodded. So what better place to hide from the sun than in a big, dark movie theater? Billy patted the mogwai fondly. Good work, Gizmo. Slowly, the group approached the building. Billy glanced at the torn posters and the smashed ticket booth. Yep, they're here, all right. Come on. Huh? You mean we're going in there with them? You got it. Billy carefully entered the empty theater lobby. Look at this place, Kate. It looks like a riot just took place. All the candy and popcorn have been taken, and there are cups and wrappers everywhere. Wait, Billy, listen. From inside the theater came loud screeching. Kate and Billy peered through the small window in the theater door. There they are, hundreds of them. Yeah, they've got a movie showing. And they're carrying on like spoiled kids. Billy was right. The gremlins were running up and down the aisles, yelling, singing to the music, dumping popcorn on each other and flinging empty candy boxes. They're all in here, Kate. Now's our chance to get rid of them. You used to work here. Where's the boiler room? At the back of the theater. Why? What are you planning? Billy punched his hand. We're going to destroy the theater. As Billy, Kate, and Gizmo headed for the back door, the ringleader, Stripe, stepped into the lobby. He wanted some more food. The hungry gremlins searched the candy counter in frustration, but there wasn't a crumb to be found. Suddenly, something caught his eye. In the department store window across the street was a large display counter loaded with candy. In a flash, the greedy gremlin was out of the theater and into the store. Meanwhile, Kate led Billy behind the movie screen to the theater boiler room. The building's furnace is in here. Billy found the fuel line and turned it on. If I can fill the place with gas, we can cause an explosion. Gas hissed quickly into the room. Even Gizmo had to cover his mouth to keep from breathing the fumes. Billy backed out of the room, shutting an old rag in the door. 
I'll use this as a fuse to ignite the gas. That'll give us time to get out of here. Billy lit the rag. Head for the exit, Kate! Fast! At that very moment, the movie projector ran out of film. The gremlins were annoyed when the picture went off. But the next moment, they howled in rage when they saw Billy and Kate's silhouettes moving across the blank screen. Kate froze. Oh, no! They can see us from the other side! Like a hundred banshees, the gremlins raced up onto the theater stage. They tore right through the movie screen with their sharp claws. Billy grabbed Kate's hand. We've got to get out of here! The theater's about to explode! As Kate pushed open the back door leading to the alley, a gremlin leaped at Billy's leg. With a kick, he shook the creature off and dove for the exit. Billy struggled to close the exit door, pushing against the combined strength of the gremlin horde. With a final shove, the door clicked shut. Quick, Kate, we've got them trapped. Hold the door while I find a board or something. Kate leaned against the exit as the gremlins pounded from within, then wedged it against the alley door. We've done it! Now run! As the gremlins howled and screeched inside, Billy and Kate raced across the street. Duck behind this parked car, Kate. The theater's gonna blow! A deafening blast shook the area as the theater exploded. Kate looked up to see the building engulfed in flames. We did it, Billy. We destroyed every last one of them. Billy stood in triumph as he watched the theater burn. Now the town is safe. All the gremlins are gone. Then something down the block caught Gizmo's eye. He tugged frantically at Billy's jacket. Billy turned. What is it, Giz? Something wrong? Oh, no, it's Stripe. He's still alive. Kate's smile faded. He must have left the theater while we were backstage. Then it looks like our fight isn't over yet. We've got to go after him, Kate. He's the last gremlin. That was the end of book four of Gremlins. But the fight's not over yet, and Stripe's far from defeated. Discover the exciting, action-packed conclusion in book five, The Last Gremlin. This is the story of The Last Gremlin. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. Unless you're extremely careful, cute, cuddly mogwai can turn into nasty, destructive gremlins. And that's just what happened one Christmas Eve in Kingston Falls. Hundreds of mischievous gremlins had left the town in ruins. They had broken windows, caused traffic accidents, wrecked the local tavern, and even crashed a snowplow into a house. Billy Peltzer, his girlfriend Kate, and Billy's pet mogwai Gizmo had tracked the creatures to the local movie theater where they had hidden inside from the sun, which could destroy them. With Kate's help, Billy found a way to destroy the theater full of gremlins. But his heart sank 
when Gizmo frantically gestured across the street. Oh no! There's Stripe, the nastiest of the bunch, in front of the department store. Stripe stared at the burning theater and then scowled at Billy. Kate shuddered at the vicious look in Stripe's eyes. Look, he's heading into the store. Billy gritted his teeth. I've got to go after him. He's the last gremlin. Billy and Kate raced across the street and climbed through a broken window. They tiptoed into the store. Billy handed his backpack to Kate. You take Gizmo and find the lights. Billy grabbed a baseball bat and squared his shoulders, ready to face the sneaky gremlin. Gizmo whined. Sorry, little guy. I go alone on this one. Kate gently touched his hand. Be careful, Billy. I will. And with that, he crept into the darkness. Slowly, Billy edged his way from aisle to aisle in the dark, straining to hear or see some trace of stripe. And then, not far from where he stood, Billy heard a buzz. He grasped his bat tighter and carefully moved toward the sound, inching toward the toy department. Suddenly, something attacked his feet. He leaped back. Phew, it's only a toy robot. A playful duck waddled toward him. A tiny soldier tottered in circles. A little train chugged into a wobbly bear. The whole floor was moving with toys. But there was no sign of Stripe. Billy moved on, unaware that Stripe was hiding in the power tool section. Billy rounded the corner and stopped just in time. Out of nowhere came a circular saw blade zooming past him. It dug itself into the wall. <gasps> that was close. Only a second later, out spun another blade. Billy swung fiercely and batted it aside, losing his balance and stumbling backward. Stripe cackled, mocking Billy. In an instant, Billy picked himself up. Come on out here, Stripe. But Stripe was gone. Billy followed the faint sound of Stripe's high-pitched giggle across the store. But as he entered the TV stereo section... There was only unnerving silence. Billy looked cautiously around. Hundreds of blank TVs stared back at him. Nothing moved. Suddenly, a television flashed on. Stripe's face snarled at Billy in a giant close-up. Billy angrily smashed the screen with his back. You might as well show yourself, Stripe. You can't hide behind a video camera forever. More TVs came to life. Everywhere Billy turned, he saw Stripe's leering grin. I'm sick of playing hide-and-seek, Stripe. The gremlin gave one last cackle into the camera and disappeared. But this time, Billy spotted him as he scurried off. Billy raced into the main aisle and stopped. Suddenly, Stripe zoomed in front of him on a tricycle, tripping him. Oh! The jeering gremlin tore off into sporting goods with Billy not far behind. Stripe quickly grabbed a crossbow. He turned and fired. Ducking, Billy threw himself painfully to the ground. Stripe wasted no time loading a second arrow. Billy lay hurt on the floor as Stripe stalked menacingly towards him. Meanwhile, Kate had found the control booth. There are hundreds of switches, and I can't read all the labels. I guess I'll just turn everything on. In an instant, the store came to life. 
fans spin, saws whirred, and dishwashers churn. But most importantly, the lights came on. Stripes suddenly screeched in pain. He dropped his crossbow and covered his eyes. He floundered helplessly, looking for darkness. Billy stood up. Good work, Kate. You've blinded him. Now we've got him. Then something strange happened. Stripes stopped short, his ears perked up. With sudden determination, he darted off in the direction of the garden department. Billy was confused. What's he doing now? Where's he going? Then Billy heard what Stripe had heard, and he realized where the gremlin was headed. Oh, no! Kate, there's a huge electric water fountain in the greenhouse. Stripe's going to jump into the water. Turn it off or I'll multiply, and soon there'll be hundreds more gremlins. Kate frantically searched for the shut-off switch. Which one could it be, Gizmo? There was no response. Gizmo? Oh, no! Gizmo's gone! Where'd he go? Stripe stood in triumph under the shower of water. <laughs> Billy watched helplessly. Already bumps were forming on Stripe's body, and soon the bumps would turn into new gremlins. And once the process started, no one could do anything to stop it. Then from out of nowhere, Gizmo raced toward the greenhouse in a toy car. Billy watched in amazement. What's that little guy doing now? Gizmo sped around a corner and crashed into the greenhouse wall. The car flipped over and the tiny mogwai rolled out. He looked feverishly around, then raced to the cord holding the canvas cover of the skylight. Using all his might, he struggled to untie the knot. Then Gizmo's plan dawned on Billy. Of course. He's going to blind Stripe by uncovering the skylight. Finally, the cord released. The blind flew open, throwing Gizmo across the room. Sunlight poured into the room, bathing Stripe in its brilliant rays. Stripe screamed as his skin began to crack. The ugly bumps withered, and he started to melt like a candle. Kate rushed in and embraced Billy. Oh, Billy, he's dead. Yeah, thanks to Gizmo's help. Gizmo? Wait a minute, where is he? Billy spun around to find poor Gizmo lying motionless on the floor. He rushed over to his tiny friend and scooped him into his arms tenderly. Gizmo, please be okay. That night, the Pelsers had a peaceful Christmas Eve after all. The fireplace radiated a warm glow, and bright decorations filled the house with joy. Exhausted and bruised, Billy rested on the couch with Kate and Gizmo. He petted the injured mogwai as he pulled a thermometer out of his mouth. You're going to be okay. Your temperature's back to normal. The Pelsers settled comfortably around the TV to watch a news report tell the story of the gremlin invasion. Suddenly, the doorbell rang. Gizmo's eyes lit up, and he began to hum contentedly. Billy realized who it must be. I'll bet it's the Chinaman, Gizmo's original owner. And sure enough, an ancient, withered Chinese man entered through the door. Gizmo jumped from the couch and embraced the old man tightly. Billy was happy for Gizmo, but sad for himself. Yeah, Gizmo, you really do belong with him, don't you? The old man was stern. You have done with Mogwai what your society has done with all nature's gifts. You people do not understand. You are not ready. 
Billing nodded to the Chinese man in sad recognition. Then the old man gently placed Gizmo into a small wooden box and turned to leave. But a sound from the box made him stop. He opened the lid and Gizmo peeked out, his tiny eyes searching for his friend. Billy grinned. He knew that Gizmo would never forget him. As the old man stepped outside, he smiled at Billy. Someday, you may be ready. He turned and headed off, and Billy could hear the faint sounds of Gizmo humming the tune he and the Mogwai had once shared. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true.